Welcome to Pints and Pelvic Floors, a podcast designed to normalize the discussion around all things pee, poop, sex, and more. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Noble, owner of Pelvic Pride Physical Therapy and Wellness, an LGBTQ-owned transgender safe space and clinic for all. Grab a pint and come as you are as we uncover the myths around our genitals and destigmatize normal body functions, as well as normalize asking for help. So raise your glass because it's a beautiful day to see pelvic floors. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of Pints and Pelvic Floors, the podcast. I am Dr. Joy, your host, and I'm excited to get started on today's topic. Um, I hope you've enjoyed the last few. I hope you enjoyed that recap from Pelvicon. If you are a patient of mine, you've heard me mention um, going to this conference. We went last year, went again this year, and we'll definitely be going again next year. Um, It was just super fun. Lots of really cool clinical pearls. Some of them I have already been using with all of my patients. So figured I'd give you a quick recap and just kind of, um, show you the different ways that as pelvic PTs, we continue to learn and craft our skill set and, um, just kind of expand what our knowledge base is and realize that the way I treat patients today is not the same as how I treated them 10 years ago. When I started this, um, our field is changing always the technology, the research is coming out, um, our just clinical skills one-on-one, how we work with patients and see something work and say, Hey, I'm trying that with someone else. Um, and just kind of create our own toolbox of both things that we've learned in the clinic or in a classroom, as well as from our, um, colleagues and then from our own practice. So today I wanted to, um, maybe dispel like a myth. It's not really a myth, but just kind of, it's a question I get a lot. Um, funny, I get it a lot from my female identifying patients asking about their male partners where they say, do you treat men? Um, and so we've already covered that as a podcast topic. So I'll link that below. Um, but what I want to talk today is just kind of an overview of who do we treat? You know, what are the patients that we're working with? So I am going to start there. Um, the, the kind of elevator pitch I have, like my quickest when I meet someone and don't want to dive too deep into it, or they ask what I do. Um, I tell them if it has anything to do with pee, poop, sex, pregnancy, postpartum, or gender affirming care, that's what I do. Um, and so when we're thinking about the pelvic PT world, the pelvic OT world, um, most of the time, I think society believes that, oh, that's for pregnant people and for old people. Um, and that's definitely not true. We absolutely welcome our pregnant folks in our postpartum folks. in. we also welcome our patients, um, who are in their perimenopausal menopausal states. I won't call that old, but we're going to go with kind of what the, um, the societal considerations of, you know, when they mean old people coming to pelvic PT, those are typically the symptoms that they're thinking of dealing with. Um, so, it's not true. We treat anyone. So at Pelvic Pride, you hopefully know by now that um, our clinical ethos is that we treat everybody. Um, you know, we don't work with only one population or one gender identity or gender expression. So it is important that anyone that has a pelvic floor feels welcome here at Pelvic Pride. And so we treat all those different symptoms. So starting with P, P means we can treat anything from pain with urination, painful bladder, um, difficulty voiding. So urinary retention, um, maybe we're going too much. We pee all the time. I have some patients that go every five minutes. I have others who go every hour. Our goal is every three to four hours. So that's definitely something we want to work on. Uh, we see this a lot with our patients who are nurses, patients who are teachers tend not to get a lot of breaks to go to the restroom. So we start to get some maybe retention problems. Um, other things we see with the bladder, um, 
like I said, pain, retention, urgency, strong urges to go, maybe because of a strong urge, we leak. The other side of that is with the stress, like a cough, a laugh, a sneeze, picking something up, jumping, stuff like that, we get um, some leakage as well. And we want to make sure that we're addressing all of that because we shouldn't leak. We shouldn't have pain. We shouldn't hold it. We shouldn't go all the time. We shouldn't just in case void or jick. Um, you'll see things out in the social world of our social media world that say like no jicking. It's just in case voiding. Um, so none of that. Then when it comes to poop, very similar. Sometimes we have pain. Sometimes we have difficulty going. Um, in that and we can have like constipation. I always clarify with my patients that constipation is not just, I don't go very often. It also can mean I don't feel empty when I go. So if someone's having issues where they don't feel empty when they go, or they're not going very frequently, or it's painful to get stool out, or maybe they're having to push and support part of their pelvic floor to get the poop out, things like that. Um, Maybe they're having a lot of like abdominal bloating, pain or gas, things like that. You know, we're going to do some differential diagnosis and see, hmm, do we actually think it might be some endometriosis as well? Um, could it be SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth? Um, so we're going to make sure that as we're exploring those things, we're going to refer you to the right providers to get some extra testing if it feels like it's something um, beyond our scope directly. Now, if you listen to the last podcast episode, I'll link that one as well. Um, We did talk about how Michelle Lyons' first presentation she gave at our PelvicCon conference was that there's the evil triplets. And um, we have to remember that like as we correct for one thing doesn't mean other things aren't still there. And so we talked about like... um, if someone has an endometriosis excision surgery, doesn't mean all their pain's magically gone. There could be some underlying diagnoses or underlying symptomology that is still present. Removing the fibroids, doing the excision surgery may have decreased it, but it's still there. And so pelvic PT or pelvic OT comes in and helps to kind of manage that and get some symptom resolution as well. And so we just need to remember that, um, you know, we will recommend you to providers, but we'll, we'll continue to work with you on um, the things that are more pelvic PT related and OT related rather than just the um, figuring out is it SIBO or endo. Sex. Okay. Sex is a big one. Um, our recent Instagram post, uh, maybe it's not out yet. You have to remember we do all this in batches as much as I can. So this is some of it's a little off, but roughly around this time frame, maybe by the time you're listening to it, um, we will have our sex episode up, uh, our sex, um, posting up about sex, not being sex, shame around sex. is not a you problem. So I'll leave it there. Um, but when it comes to sex, we work with our patients on all different issues. It might be pain. Um, it might be fear. It could be dryness, Um, It could be muscle tightness, muscle tension. Sometimes we get burning. Sometimes it's positions that just don't feel quite right. Um, Sometimes the sex kind of falls into the uh, going over to um, like the pregnancy postpartum stuff because that has some impacts. We'll get a little more into that when we get to that part. But in general, if someone's been diagnosed with like dyspareunia, painful intercourse, um, vaginismus, vulvodynia, some of the like more pain things. So keeping in mind, anything that's an adenia is a pain. Anything that's an ismus 
is a spasm and anything that's an itis is an inflammation. So vaginitis is inflammation of the, or vulvitis is an inflammation of the vulva or the vagina. Um, but any of those types of symptoms we work with, same thing with like painful erection, painful ejaculation, painful orgasm. Um, these are all things that we can help with in the pelvic therapy world. The other side of sex is low arousal, low libido, um, maybe erectile dysfunction. Similarly, we are looking at what is the causes behind this, especially when we're thinking of our erectile dysfunction. Again, think of last episode, we talked about um, one in five people have a silent cardiac issue happening and the way it's manifesting, or one in five people with erectile dysfunction have a silent cardiac issue. So it's manifesting as erectile dysfunction and it's actually, there might be something bigger going on. So we are always in making sure in pelvic therapy that we are screening for any of those issues that we are discussing that with our patients. I make sure all of my patients that come in with ED know this could be something else. These are some of the big, um, comorbidities that go with it. Diabetes is another one hypertension or again, kind of anything cardiovascular. Those are also issues. And so if you haven't seen your primary provider lately, it's time to get back in and get that all tested out. Um, and I say, sometimes it's like, you might have some blood pressure issues that we need to get addressed one, just for your own health and safety. Um, but it might make the pelvic therapy better in that we might've gotten the the symptoms resolved, whatever, 50%, 75%. But having that hypertension or that blood pressure thing corrected or managed might make your symptoms 90% or 100% better because it was two issues, both impacting the same anatomical structure um, in the this realm being ED, so affecting the erectile tissue. Um, so that is something super important to make sure that we are checking out. And this is kind of where, um, PT knows or OT knows, like we stay in our lane and we know when to work with our, um, other providers and grab that interdisciplinary approach and make sure all of the team is on board to make screenings and testings to, to clear all the different things that could be impacting the symptoms. Um, so again, sex, we work with this in a whole bunch of different ways. It is with all of our different patients. Um, it can be, pain, it can be discomfort, it can be scar tissue and tearing, which we're about to get into because that's something that comes after the pregnancy side. Um, so with pregnancy, we do anything from uh, working with our pregnant folks on symptom management. Maybe they're dealing with low back pain, maybe some pubic symphysis pain in the front of the pelvis or some SI joint pain in the back of the pelvis. Um, it could be leg pain, foot pain, knee pain, upper back pain, literally anywhere there's discomfort, we're here to help manage it. Also just kind of ways to stay comfortable and keep moving throughout pregnancy, ways to start to change how you're transitioning out of the car, getting up out of the bed, standing up off the couch. Um, those are some of the things that we work with. We do a lot of proactive treatment in that we want to make sure patients have things that they can continue to do so they stay mobile and doing what they like. So if I have a patient who loves to go for walks in the park, I'm going to do everything I can to support and keep them strong and flexible and mobile throughout their pregnancy. And so that kind of answers the question, but what if I don't have any pain? Can I still benefit from pelvic therapy? Absolutely. Uh, I had a patient last today's yeah, last week sometime end of last week I saw her after her second pregnancy or first pregnancy now I'm seeing her during her second pregnancy and we did our evaluation and she was funny which she, she said to me what so many of my patients have said before I really wish I had seen you before my first pregnancy so I knew what things were like then or during my first pregnancy to know what things were like then 
Um, and I hear this a ton, so it can be really helpful if you've never seen pelvic PT before, pelvic OT before, and you are considering getting pregnant or you are currently pregnant to establish a a rapport with a PT to find a therapist near you, um, a PT or an OT to help you figure out kind of what's your baseline, make a connection and then have someone who, when they feel, Ooh, okay. You actually do have some tightness in that right obturator internus. It's a hip rotator and a pelvic floor muscle. Um, so then we keep an eye on that and how does that translate throughout the rest of pregnancy? But then also when you've delivered and you come back, we're not looking at that and going, wow, there's a lot of tightness here. We have to then ask the question, well, was it there before, or is this a result of the delivery? Who knows? So when you know that ahead of time, we know going into this, yep, the right OI, the right muscle there was a discomfort and attention point during pregnancy. And it's still there after delivery. We're going to keep working on it and figure out why it's happening in the bigger picture. So I think it's just helpful um, to make that connection. The last thing we do with pregnancy is a lot of um, labor and delivery prep. So we're going to give you movements and exercises, ways that you should be moving your body to help open the hips and improve the pelvic, um, you know, mobility and make sure that pelvic inlet and pelvic outlet are ready to go for child delivery. And then we're also going to teach them perineal massage. And so just giving you some different ways to work the pelvic floor muscles so they can elongate and stretch out in a way that they are designed to during this delivery and then making sure they have the coordination to engage and do their job to be supportive as they are um, throughout life as we're standing and walking breathing and so we just want to make sure though that those muscles um, have that elasticity in them so we're going to give you those as some exercises for home Um, then we want to empower you. So last thing for pregnancy, we want to empower you, um, to know what your options are. Um, birth looks different for everyone. Some people, um, are on one end of the spectrum where they really want to be, you know, at home, maybe a water birth, just doing it, um, as unmedicated as necessary. And then it starts to swing. Maybe we're super unmedicated, but we want to be in a hospital. Then we have those in the world, which I will totally throw myself out there as if we ever had children. Um, I'm going to be the medicated person because, um, the pain totally freaks me out. I treat patients across the spectrum. I enjoy working with all my patients across the spectrum. I don't think any of them are more honorable than the other, as far as a a way to deliver. It's just whatever serves your body the best. Um, but I'm going to be that person that's like, I will take that epidural now. Um, so no judgment here, but we have those patients that are giving me the medicine and I'm going to be in a hospital. And then we have the ones that I've had patients who elect for C-sections, um, whether it's just that childbirth totally terrifies them, or there's, um, uh, some kind of medical complication underlying that the providers have decided, Hey, this is going to be the safest thing for you and baby. So regardless of what our delivery looks like, I want my patients to know ahead of time ways that they can move ways that they can make this as enjoyable of an experience as possible. Um, you know, if we're going to have an epidural like myself, if that ever were to be the case, um, I would want to know, can I birth in other positions? Do I have to be on my back? How can I maybe lay on my side and then have my leg that I can't really control well, um, supported on a ball or supported by my partner, supported by a doula. Um, those are some of the things that I like to talk through with my pregnancy patients 
And then also teach them things like, hey, do you have a support system here? If not, do you know what a postpartum doula is? You know, what other resources does our community have? There are so many, and I'm excited to bring some of them on to the podcast and have them talk to you more about it. Um, But there's a lot of resources out there to support patients during pregnancy and postpartum. Um, So I like to educate on that as well. Swings us to the postpartum side. So postpartum, we are working with patients after delivery on literally anything. So depending on what their postpartum journey is like, um, maybe they're chest feeding or breastfeeding. Um, maybe they're pumping, but feeding their baby milk that's produced by their own body. Um, maybe they're formula feeding. Every one of these is going to create different demands on the body, different stresses in the tissues. Um, and so we are here to help support that and recognize, you know, what is your posture like? How are you feeding baby? Uh, are you rounding your shoulders and looking down and kind of curling your body to baby? Um, are you putting baby on some pillows, bringing some support into the system and bringing baby up to you? Um, whether that's holding a bottle in your hand, um, bringing baby towards your body to feed, whatever that looks like, we are discussing it. Um, so we have a lot of new parents come in and they have neck and upper back pain because of that. We're also going to assess just how's their general movement. What did delivery look like? We'll talk through their birth story and see, is there any scar, scar tissue? You know, did they deliver via cesarean? Did they have some perineal tearing that required a stitch or so? Um, is there any discomfort with that? And so we'll do a pelvic floor exam and just see what's happening at the pelvic floor muscles. How are they coordinating? What happens when we stretch them? When we go back to the whole pain with sex thing, again, sometimes we get some discomfort. Um, maybe it's the lack of estrogen after delivery where they are feeling super dry. And so we talk about, Hey, you didn't need lube before, but you probably need some now. And that's okay. This is totally normal because the way your hormones are doing what they're supposed to be doing right now, your vagina is a little dry and that is so expected, but here's some really cool supports and here's some really awesome products that can help make sex more enjoyable when you're ready. Um, the other thing we'll talk about is like said, the scar tissue, if there's some pulling or discomfort with the stretch, um, of any kind of penetration or anything being inserted into the vaginal canal. We want to talk about that too, work on any of that restriction, make sure those muscles engage like they should and relax like they're supposed to. Um, so that's kind of our postpartum. So whole body, again, we're looking head to toe. We want to see, you know, as you're picking up baby, carrying baby, bouncing around the house, whatever it is that we are supporting you and giving you the most, um, education and hands-on treatment we can to improve any discomforts and just empower you to, um, do, do the things you want to do. The last part, gender affirming care. So we work with, um, patients again of any gender identity and expression. And so we do a lot of work with patients, um, who are undergoing gender affirming surgeries. So we offer this in a variety of ways. One of them is we are um, doing pre-surgical consultations. So we will meet with a patient about, this is happening 99.9% of the time um, with patients who are going to undergo a vaginoplasty. We will have them come in and we'll do some education and some screening, and then we will assess their pelvic floor to ensure that they don't have any muscle tightness Um, So weakness, any pain or dysfunction, anything that needs to be addressed that might impact um, this patient's bowel and bladder function after delivery or after delivery, um, after surgery, uh, or will impact the way their healing is occurring, um, will 
create more guarding or pulling around the incisions, things like that. So we are just wanting to see before they go into surgery, they have good control. They can contract and coordinate contracting and relaxing, um, that there isn't any tension or tightness that needs to be addressed. And then we give them the, from a pelvic PT, OT perspective, they have the clear from us that they are educated and their pelvic floor muscles are in good, you know, function and position to be ready for surgery. And then we get back together four weeks post-op to review, so for these specific patients, um, review our dilator protocol, troubleshoot that, start working on um, any kind of muscle guarding if there's any, discuss kind of what their routine is like, and then when it's appropriate, a little further down the line, start working on some scar tissue. Um, other gender-affirming surgeries we work a lot with is any kind of top surgery. And so we're trying to um, maintain range of motion, make sure we're also not getting any of that mid-back and neck pain that we see with our postpartum folks, because um, patients with any kind of chest surgery in a similar manner are kind of protective of that area. And so we need to keep the shoulders moving, the muscles from getting tight. And then again, when appropriate, we're working on some scar tissue mobilization. So that is all the goal there for um, that gender affirming care um, in that pre and post-surgical world. We also work with patients who are just looking for a safe space. Um, you know, we have worked with a variety of different patients. Most of them come to us via word of mouth and it's just looking for somewhere where, um, they won't be misgendered, where they will feel included. Um, they won't feel out of place. We have set our clinic up. So, you know, the expectation is that, you know, everyone is discussing what their pronouns are, that we are respecting pronouns. Um, we're not using incorrect honorifics if we use them. Um, our, you know, we have a single bathroom. It is just a bathroom for anyone who needs to pee and poop. Um, so it's always, you know, there and available. There's no having to make a decision of, do I go to the one on the left or the one on the right? Um, and so that can be helpful. We treat all of our patients in a private treatment room. So each one, when you come into your treatment room, it's just you and your provider. Um, you're always welcome to bring a friend, a chaperone, a family member, whoever you need for some support. Um, but so that's to say, you know, I treated one person for some calf issues. It's not pelvic floor. Um, I would never worked on their pelvic floor, but they had found me through word of mouth from another patient I had worked with. And they were like, yeah, you felt like a safe space. And I wanted to come here, which as a provider is a huge honor to have someone come in and say that, like this felt like a safe space. Cause as much as we try to create that, it's not our choice to say if it was safe or not, it's up to the patient to feel safe or not. Um, so that was awesome to hear that from this person. And so you know, if that's what you're looking for, maybe you don't want to be in the big gym with all the people. You don't want to go to the place where they're seeing a few different patients at the same time. We also welcome you here. Um, so that is kind of the other end of our like gender affirming care is that we just want to make everyone feel, um, like they are valued and they are, um, an amazing part of our community and that they can get the best care that they possibly deserve here. So that is the long-winded answer to what do I mean when I say we treat pee, poop, sex, pregnancy, postpartum, and gender affirming care? Um, really any of that. And if you look it up and you see physical therapy as a treatment option, I'm pretty sure we treat it. So feel free to 
reach out, message me if you have questions on that. Um, but that is just a little bit about who do we treat? What do we treat? So it's, it's much more than Kegels. It's much more than that postpartum mom or postpartum parent. Um, it's much more than the, you know, your grandma who's got a prolapse and they're putting a pessary in or doing a mesh surgery. Um, our treatments go far, far beyond that. We work a lot with chronic pain, a lot with patients who have PCOS, endo, um, EDS. We're treating a lot of POTS and long COVID. Like there's so much that we can help with. Um, so if you ever have a question about, can we treat you? I'm going to say probably without a shadow of a doubt, we can. Um, and honestly, if we do an evaluation or we're working through your paperwork and realize we're not the best fit for you, we're going to get you connected to those who can. So hopefully this was helpful. Gave you a little bit of uh, background just to kind of, again, the list of diagnoses that we treat, the names of all these diagnoses go on and on, but that is kind of the best way I have found to sum it up. So hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you haven't listened to them yet, go ahead into the links below, listen to the podcast on do you treat men or male identifying individuals. Uh, go listen to that last episode for the recap on uh, what I learned at PelvicCon. And until next time, my friends, cheers. Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute providing medical advice or professional services. Please reach out to your primary care provider if you need any assistance.